Chapter 20 of Ships That Pass in the Night. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Paul Harvey. Ships That Pass in the Night by Beatrice Harridan. Chapter 20 A Love Letter. Two days after Bernadine had left Petershoff, the snows began to melt. Nothing could be drearier than that process, nothing more desolate than the outlook. The disagreeable man sat in his bedroom, trying to read Carpenter's Anatomy. It failed to hold him. Then he looked out of the window and listened to the dripping of the icicles. At last he took a pen and wrote as follows. Little comrade, little playmate, I could not believe that you were really going when you first said that you would soon be leaving i listened with unconcern because it did not seem possible that the time could come when we should not be together that the days would come and go and that i should not know how you were whether you were better and more hopeful about your life and your work or whether the old misery of indifference and ill-health was still clinging to you whether your voice was strong as one who had slept well and felt refreshed, or whether it was weak, like that of one who had watched through the long night. It did not seem possible that such a time could come. Many cruel things have happened to me, as to scores of others, but this is the most cruel of all. Against my wish and against my knowledge, you have crept into my life as a necessity, and now I have to give you up. You are better, God bless you, and you go back to a fuller life, and to carry on your work, and to put to account those talents which no one realizes more than I do. And as for myself, God help me, I am left to wither away. You little one, you dear little one, I never wished to love you. I had never loved anyone, never drawn near to anyone. I have lived lonely all my young life, for I am only a young man yet. I said to myself, time after time, I will not love her. It will not do me any good, nor her any good. And then, in my state of health, what right had I to think of marriage and making a home for myself? Of course, that was out of the question. And then I thought that because I was a doomed man, cut off from the pleasures, which make a lovely thing of life. It did not follow that I might not love you in my own quiet way, hugging my secret to myself until the love becomes all the greater because it was my secret. I reasoned about it too and could not harm you that I loved you. No one could be the worse for being loved. So, little by little, I yielded myself this luxury, and my heart, once so dried up, began to flower again. Yes, little one, you will smile when I tell you that my heart broke out into flower. When I think of it all now, I am not sorry that I let myself go. At least I have learnt what I knew nothing of before. Now I understand what people mean when they say that love adds a dignity to life which nothing else can give. That dignity is mine now. Nothing can take it away from me. It is my own. You are my very own. I love everything about you. From the beginning, I recognized that you were clever and capable, 
though i often made fun of what you said that was simply a way i had and when i saw you did not mind i continued in that way hoping always to vex you your good temper provoked me because i knew that you made allowances for me being a petersoff invalid you would never have suffered a strong man to criticize you as i did you would have flown at him for you are a feverish little child not a quiet woolly lamb at first i was wild that you should make allowances for me and then i gave in as weak men are obliged when you came i saw that your troubles and sufferings would make you bitter do you know who helped to cure you it was i i have seen that often before that is the one little bit of good i have done in the world i have helped to cure cynicism you were shocked at the things i said and you were saved i did not save you intentionally so i am not posing as a philanthropist i merely mention that you came here hard and you went back tender that was partly because you have lived in the city of suffering some people live there and learn nothing but you would learn to feel only too much i wish that your capacity for feeling were less but then you would not be yourself your present self i mean for you have changed even since i have known you every week you seem to become more gentle you thought me rough and gruff at parting little comrade i meant to be so if you had only known there was a whole world of tenderness for you in my heart i could not trust myself to be tender to you you would have guessed my secret and i wanted you to go away undisturbed you do not feel things lightly and it was best for you that you should harden your heart against me if you could harden your heart against me but i am not sure about that i believe that ah well i'm a foolish fellow but some day dear i'll tell you what i think i have treasured many of your sayings in my memory i can never be as though i had never known you many of your words i have repeated to myself afterwards until they seem to represent my own thoughts i specially remember what you said about god having made us lonely so that we might be obliged to turn to him for we are all lonely though some of us not quite so much as others you yourself spoke often of being lonely oh my own little one your loneliness is nothing compared to mine how often i could have told you that i have never seen any of your work but i think you have now something to say to others and that you will say it well and if you have the courage to be simple when it comes to the point you will succeed and i believe you will have the courage i believe everything of you but whatever you do or do not you will always be the same to me my own little one my very own i have been waiting all my life for you and i have given you my heart entire if you only knew that you could not call yourself lonely any more if any one was ever loved it is you dear heart do you remember how the peasants at the gasthaus thought we were betrothed i thought that might annoy you and though i was relieved at the time still later on i wish you had been annoyed
that would have shown that you were not indifferent. From that time my love for you grew apace. You must not mind me telling you so often. I must go on telling you. Just think, dear, this is the first love letter I have ever written, and every word of love is a whole world of love. I shall never call my life a failure now. I may have failed in everything else, but not in loving. Oh, little one, it can't be that I'm not to be with you and not to have you for my own. And yet how can that be? It is not I who may hold you in my arms. Some strong man must love and wrap you round with tenderness and softness. You little independent child, in spite of all your wonderful views and theories, you will soon be glad to lean on someone for comfort and sympathy. And then, perhaps, that troubled little spirit of yours may find its rest. Would to God I were that strong man. But because I love you, my own little darling, I will not spoil your life. I won't ask you to give me even one thought. But if I believed that it were of any good to say a prayer, I should pray that you may soon find that strong man. For it is not well for any of us to stand alone. There comes a time when the loneliness is more than we can bear. There is one thing I want you to know. Indeed, I am not the gruff fellow I have so often seemed. Do believe that. Do you remember how I told you that I dreamed of losing you? And now the dream has come true. I am always looking for you and cannot find you. You have been very good to me, so patient and genial and frank. No one before has ever been so good. Even if I did not love you, I should say that. But I do love you. No one can take that from me. It is my own dignity, the crown of my life. Such a poor life. No, no, I won't say that now. I cannot pity myself now. No, I cannot. The disagreeable man stopped writing, and the pen dropped on the table. He buried his tear-stained face in his hands. He cried his heart out, this disagreeable man. Then he took the letter, which he had just been writing, and he tore it into fragments. End of chapter 20. Recording by Paul Harvey.